0: You're listening to the Skylight Books Podcast. We're an independent general interest bookstore putting great reads in the hands of people in the Los Feliz neighborhood of Los Angeles. Hosted by resident Skylighters, we're here to bring you new and exciting author conversations, group reads, and bookseller chats. Happy listening. Hello, my beautiful and lovely listeners, and welcome to Skylight. This is the Skylight Books Podcast, and I'm your host, Lance Morgan. Today, I'm so, so excited to welcome Scott Meslow to talk about his book, From Hollywood with Love, The Rise and Fall, and Rise Again of the Romantic Comedy. Scott Meslow is a senior editor at The Week magazine and a writer and critic for publications including GQ, New York Magazine, and The Atlantic. From Hollywood with Love is his first book. Scott, welcome to the podcast.
1: Thanks, pleasure to be here.
0: No, it's our pleasure to have you. This is going to be so much fun. Uh, I told you before we start recording, but to our listeners too, this is one of our Valentine's Day episodes. So hopefully you get, if you're a rom-com uh, person, like I feel like Scott is, and I will also say I am too, um, you know, you might get some ideas for some nice Valentine's Day movies as you stay inside yeah. this year but um want to watch no. one of
1: 16 of them they're all in here
0: they're all i mean listen all 16 might be in the might be in the cards you know <laughs> elite i feel like there should be like a 14 days of valentine's day leading up thing right like why not? me up yeah i would listen abc family or freeform now freeform listen i want my check i want my cut of the <laughs> check if you start doing this uh like i I feel like we're going to turn on the TV tomorrow and see that like 14 days of 14 days of Valent- Valentine's Day rom-com set And it's all going to be from your book. So
1: <laughs>
0: get ready. That, to. That sue. was my dream all along. <laughs> I was going to say get ready to sue, uh whichever company steals it from me. <laughs> um, no, uh, Scott, welcome to the podcast. It's so great to have you on. Um, you have a
1: reading for us today? I do. Yes. I've um, got a. Uh, But one of my favorite rom-com archetypes.
0: Ooh, I'm excited. All right, well, take it away.
1: So this is a short chapter about Bill Pullman, Patrick Dempsey, and the rest, uh, who you might know better as The Other guys. In 2005, a little scene rom-com called The Baxter put the spotlight on a rom-com archetype who, dating all the way back to Ralph Bellamy in 1940's His Girl Friday, has always stood just outside the spotlight. The Other Guy. The official website for the Baxter has the most comprehensive description of the other guy that I've ever seen. In every romantic comedy, there's always that scene at the end where the leading man barges through the chapel doors just as the leading lady is about to marry the wrong guy, it says. The guy left at the altar. The wrong guy? That guy is called the Baxter. The Baxter is the kind of guy you settle for because you can't be with the ones you really love. If you're nodding your head, it's because you've seen some version of this character in a sizable chunk of all the rom-coms ever released. The laziest way to make the audience feel okay about the other guy getting steamrolled by the romantic lead is by throwing in a scene that makes him irredeemably awful, like The Wedding Singer, in which it's revealed that Matthew Glaive routinely cheats on Drew Barrymore, or Wedding Crashers, in which it's revealed that Bradley Cooper routinely cheats on Rachel McAdams. But even when audiences can be nearly certain that the actual star-crossed soulmates will end up together by the end of the movie, the best rom-coms at least attempt to make the other guy a compelling alternative, if not a true love, in his own right. To that end, the best other guy of the 90s is Bill Pullman playing Walter in Sleepless in Seattle. Though Annie, played by Meg Ryan, doesn't even meet Sam, played by Tom Hanks, until the end of the movie, poor Walter is clearly doomed from the moment he appears on screen. Though Annie says they're madly in love, she doesn't even really seem to like him. She frowns at his cute little improvised song about dim sum, grimaces at him when he's not awake, and though she says his name approximately 800 times throughout the movie, even the sound of it clearly irritates her. Walter's big character trait is that he's horribly allergic to nuts, strawberries, whole wheat, and more or less everything else. His other big character trait is that he is an incredibly decent human being. Annie spends the entire movie obsessing over a guy she heard on the radio, and while she is not very good at hiding it, her obsession is facilitated by her best friend, played by Rosie O'Donnell, who also happens to be Walter's mutual colleague. But if Walter is suspicious about his extremely sketchy fiance and her reporting trip to Seattle, he gives no sign of it. In a movie with the word sleepless in the title, he is the one character we know for a fact sleeps soundly every night. And when he finds Annie in the closet, essentially cheating on him with the radio she's holding, he makes the pretty funny clue reference instead of getting mean about it. Playing the guy who is doomed to get dumped for Tom Hanks was, perhaps unsurprisingly, not Bill Pullman's first choice. Those were rough times, says Pullman. But you know, there were just a lot of stories at the time where the second male lead got the shaft, and I wasn't in a position, box office-wise, to take the first male lead. You could fill up a bingo card with the similarly lovable other guys that would come in the years that followed. Justin Chambers in The Wedding Planner, Keanu Reeves in Something's Gotta Give, Jordan Fisher in All the Boys, P.S. I Still Love You. But there's one that deserves extra attention, Patrick Dempsey playing Andrew Hennings in 2002's Sweet Home, Alabama. If Sleepless in Seattle's Walter was a dork with endearing qualities, Andrew Hennings is, apart from his overbearing and omnipresent mother, a romantic figure so over the top dashing that it beggars belief. He is a likely candidate to be president of the United States. He arranges an after hours proposal at Tiffany's so Melanie, played by Reese Witherspoon, can choose any ring she likes. He is played by Patrick Dempsey, which means he is exactly as handsome as Patrick Dempsey. When Melanie inevitably dumps him at the altar to be with the man she actually loves, Andrew literally smiles. So this is what it feels like, he says, proudly standing up to his mother before gently kissing Melanie on the hand and exiting the movie. Don't worry, the credits reveal he ends up marrying a Vanderbilt. What's striking about Patrick Dempsey's first round of other guy is the moment in his career when it happened. Three years after Sweet Home Alabama, he debuted as Dr. Derek McDreamy Shepard on ABC's Grey's Anatomy, catapulting him past the second male lead who gets the shaft territory, lamented by Bill Pullman. And what did Dempsey do with his reinvigorated star power? Booked a role in which he was the first male lead who got to win out over the other guy. Maid of Honor, which came out in 2008, and is essentially a gender-flipped riff on My Best Friend's Wedding, casts Dempsey as a suave bachelor who realizes he's in love with his best friend, Michelle Monaghan, just as she gets engaged to another guy. The other guy in this case is played by fellow Grey's Anatomy star Kevin McKidd. And unlike My Best Friend's Wedding, the true love story turns out to be between Monaghan and Dempsey, who interrupts the wedding and successfully convinces Monahan that they're soulmates. What's conspicuous about these movies is how cleanly—what's conspicuous about these movies is how cleanly and swiftly the other guy is dispatched once the plot no longer needs him. Maybe he's a jerk. Maybe he's a saint. Maybe he gets a little tacked-on happy ending during the credits. But he was always more of an obstacle than a character. So the movies aren't actually interested in what it must feel like to see someone you love find a happily ever after with someone who isn't you. And that brings us back to Sleepless in Seattle. Sleepless in Seattle does not actually show the moment when Annie confesses to Walter and his heart presumably breaks into a million pieces. But by the time the movie cuts back, he is being shockingly kind about the whole thing. Look, Annie, I love you, but let's leave that out of this, he says. I don't want to be someone you're settling for. I don't want to be someone that anyone settles for. Marriage is hard enough without bringing such low expectations into it, isn't it? Annie gives the ring back and asks if he's okay. But precisely 27 seconds later, she tells Walter that she has to run off to the Empire State Building, where the windows have been illuminated with a giant red heart, so she can be with the actual man of her dreams. Sleepless in Seattle immediately cuts to the streets of Manhattan, and the rest of the movie is Annie and Sam's unforgettably dreamy meeting on top of the Empire State Building. But the next time you watch the ending of Sleepless in Seattle, spare a thought for Walter, finishing that bottle of Dom Perignon alone on Valentine's Day, as he stares at that big heart on that big skyscraper. And don't feel too bad for the guy because he got together with Sandra Bullock and while you were sleeping like two years later.
0: Loved it. I mean, any way to talk about um, Patrick Dempsey's uh, interesting romantic comedy to Grey's Anatomy, back to romantic comedy pipeline. Mm -hmm. I mean, I feel like you missed, and we might disagree here, uh, another rom-com with Patrick Dempsey where you played the leading guy the Disney movie Enchanted. Oh, sure.
1: Yeah. If Enchanted he, qualifies. You think? Yep. If if
0: Enchanted qualifies, <laughs> I'm going to bring up another movie that you talk about in your book.
1: Oh, we're getting into it.
0: I believe should qualify. <laughs> we are going into it. I'm ready. I'm re- I told mm-hmm. you, I'm excited. Um, 13 going on 30, which I argue is a romantic comedy, <laughs> but you disagree with... <laughs>
1: What I, will, what I will agree with you, it is so close to the line. Um, I, I will say for readers, because if you write a book about romantic comedies, you have to work really hard to figure out what a rom-com is. And mm-hmm. what you figure out quickly is like, people talk about the Devil Wears Prada as a rom-com all the time. That is not a romantic comedy. No. That, mm-hmm. is, that is a movie about a woman doing a job and having a difficult relationship mm-hmm. with her boss, where Adrienne Grenier occasionally shows up to be annoying. <laughs> like the, the romance is not the primary arc. So right. my test was pretty simple. It was two things. Does the movie make you laugh more than it makes you cry? And Mm -hmm. once that's established, if you pull out the romantic plot of the movie, is there still a movie or is there nothing there anymore? And my argument for 13 going on 30 would be there is still a whole story about a woman realizing that she didn't like who she was becoming and figuring out how to be the person that she was when she was 13, essentially.
0: Yes. But my argument there is if she. If it wasn't for the romantic part of it, she would never realize that there were it it doesn't like the end where she even goes back and tries to um, go back to her past is spurred on by finding out that the person that she really should be with is marrying somebody else. Right. It's true.
1: You're not wrong about that. But she knows she's terrible before Mark Ruffalo has reentered the picture at the same time. Right hundred percent. So, so one way or another, there is change coming for that character. Now I will I will concede this is totally semantic and it is so close <laughs> to the line that you if we talk for three more minutes, you may convince me I completely screwed this book up and I needed a chapter on that.
0: And we're going back to the we're taking it off the or taking yep, it out of the time to pull
1: every copy. It's time.
0: No, because well, my last, because I did have a, po- I did have one more that might convince you, is that second. the same thing with You Got Mail? If mm-hmm. you take out the romantic part of it, you pull that out. There's still the storyline of a woman fighting um, big business and losing her, losing her small business, right? Um, losing her small think- business to this, this uh, rich guy who's coming in and taking
1: over her neighborhood. That's interesting. I, that doesn't sound like a very good movie. You're right that it's probably still technically a movie if he's just an invisible cipher and she's just this poor woman being crushed by Barnes and Noble. Uh, that's, yeah, that's probably not a pitch that would sell in the room, but you, this, these distinctions get very strange when you try to break them down like that. So I, I tried to hew to the line of what I was completely <laughs> confident was a romantic comedy. I know
0: and no, and, that, and that's what I like well that's what I really liked about the book too is that you have your you never make it seem that you're the you are Mr. rom com even though you kind of are Mr. rom com from this you you're you're your own uh rom-com visionary in a way you are the person you make your own rules for what you see in rom coms which I think everyone should. There's yeah rom-coms are that kind of space. Um could you Tell us, um, you you were we were talking about a little bit, but your rules for rom com. What makes a rom com to you? A rom com?
1: Yeah, I think I think other than kind of passing that basic smell test that you and I talked about, mm-hmm. it's there is a degree of that that kind of Supreme Court I know it when I see it thing. You know, one mm-hmm. thing that I that I finally, as I was writing the intro for the book, I you know not to, not to go too far behind the curtain, but um, mm-hmm. but when you start writing a book like this. One of the first things I did when I was like, I want to write a book about rom coms was come up with a list of, I don't know, 70 or 80 rom coms, each of which I thought was worthy of being a chapter. Yeah. And then it just kind of came down to on multiple levels, which ones of these can I really, you know, I, as much as I would love to write a 3,000 book about, 3,000 word book about rom coms or 3,000 page book about rom coms. Yeah. And maybe the <laughs> sequel is coming. But, but it's why finally in the intro, I, I just had to put in a line. Ultimately, part of what this came down to is, which ones do I really love? And that mm-hmm. is, I think, for a, especially for a genre about love, a genre where people, I think, feel really passionately, they hold these movies close, they they yeah. see them at ages where they speak to them, they watch them on VHS over and over again. Mm-hmm. The ones you love really is maybe the best test for the rom-coms that, that you should be, or at least for me, that I really wanted to focus on. And so mm-hmm. I tried to cover what was important, but also you know what made my heart beat a little faster. Yeah, and I
0: mean that that was I feel like what a lot of people you know draw what draws a lot of people to rom-coms and what draws a lot of actors to being in rom-coms too um what one thing that I really really found interesting from your book is how many of these rom-com stars like are now a list or a or b list actors who you know are the household names Mm -hmm. um can you give us like a little and you talk about it in the book and I don't want to, you know, spoil too much from that because you talk to the listeners about like that progression for them for a lot of these stars from being like the you know, the rom-com lead, leading uh, man or leading lady to like blockbuster hits
1: actors. You know? mm-hmm. It really is kind of insane when you trace the arcs of you know, one of many ways that rom coms often didn't get their due in the era when they were being made is mm-hmm. Every major star kind of went through the crucible of starring in a rom-com that was a hit mm-hmm. and you know made money for the studio and audiences loved them. I mean, mm-hmm. Meg Ryan is obviously kind of your your archetypal, you know, America's sweetheart of the 90s, but mm-hmm. we wouldn't have Julia Roberts without Pretty Woman. We wouldn't have Hugh Grant without Four Weddings and a Funeral. You know, Tom Hanks, one way or another, was going to be a star, but the the cultural image of Tom Hanks is kind of, you know, beloved every man, America's yeah. dad, all that stuff mm-hmm. that is really directly out of the work he did with Nora Ephron.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Um, and it, you can really trace it through, even even the stars who are not necessarily known for the rom-coms they did, made a rom-com at some important pivotal point in their career.
0: And I mean, that's so, it's, it's, it's wild to me. Like I think of one person you talked about is Ryan Reynolds. You mm-hmm. talk about the Ryan Reynolds, Dane Cook, you know, tethered um, uh tethered like opposites I feel like there's there is a script there about those two let's bring Dane Cook back you know I'm gonna (laughs) say it first is that what you got out of that chapter (laughs) (laughs) no it's it's I'll just I you made me go like wow what they were they were like neck and neck in for a second there um no but like Ryan Reynolds he's every he was he's in He's on like every blockbuster I see now. Mm -hmm. Uh, Cameron Diaz, you saw her like she was. I mean, Charlie's Angels was a big moment for me, but like, yeah, she was the rom-com girl before. Ben Stiller, um, even Adam Sandler, like, yep, Adam Sandler.
1: I mean, it's interesting that you bring up actors like Ben Stiller and Adam Sandler because often not acknowledged as rom-coms, you know, yeah. that that Adam Sandler came up making romantic comedies that Ben Stiller did, mm-hmm. that, you know, that really the whole Apatow school of yeah. 40-year-old virgin and knocked up and, you know, all of which are covered in the book are often thought of as kind of like dude bro, runchy comedies, but they are mm-hmm. pretty classical rom-coms in structure. They're just, yeah. they kind of shift the POV to a to a slacker dude, but, but otherwise think, the same thing.
0: I think of, and I don't know if, I don't know if this would be, this would count in your equation of rom coms, but I think of like Meet the Parents when I think Ben Still. I'm like, yeah, that was a rom com, right? Is that a rom com?
1: I think they are together too fast. Although I guess it's really about saving the marriage. That's the question. Yeah, um, well, yeah but, but isn't that really about him, unless the love story between him and Robert De Niro, where, where his grumpy father in law needs to, I mean, that's, <laughs> that's the real arc we're talking about
0: that's the real arc i mean there i'm gonna like i'm we're gonna have to put like a little um like little uh bibliography of all of the not filmography of all the films we're talking about in-, mm-hmm. this, aren't we? in the notes section look in the notes sections of this description to this episode guys and all they're of, all in um, there they're all in there and because <laughs> oh, i even think of guess who like the bernie i mean the remake sure. of i like, guess who's coming to dinner, we'll course, dinner yeah but, but like that that's a now you're making me question all my rom-coms i'm like (laughs) i'm gonna have to do my own research now i'm gonna put out my own op-ed about
1: (laughs) i swear this book is not supposed to start an existential crisis i'm just saying you're gonna i'll start
0: chat rooms i'll start a conversation you're gonna go we're gonna get it viral um we're gonna start this does sound like a podcast yeah (laughs) i'm just i'm just saying a fake feud between us and like uh oh we can make it a real one yeah, I'm. I'm ready. You tell me. You, <laughs> you're telling me. This is how we both. This is how we get our <laughs> rom com. Yes, this is the our, next level. The person that's. It's like uh, this. There's something there. There's something there. Mm-hmm. Uh, <laughs> we're no, working but, on it. Um, I can tell. The star, um, <laughs> the gears are turning. The star power is in here, and I mean, I feel like there's rom com stars now that we don't. We're gonna look back. I don't know. We're gonna look ten years from now back and say oh wow do you remember that person who's in that rom-com and now they're i don't know they're the new gi joe or something
1: uh i mean that that's exactly what happened with henry golding
0: yeah henry Golding that man went
1: straight from crazy rich asians to snake eyes which is he made a gi joe
0: which oh my god wow we're already looking back i i somehow was trying to tell the future but only saw the present there's something there there's this, that's mm-hmm. there's something in that what i just said um could we, some of, could we talk about some of the rom-coms that didn't get to be made, didn't get to, like, in the book that you still were, like, if you were to make, like, a sequel book, oh, we, absolutely. What, which ones would you put in there?
1: Yeah, it's, if I was covering the same time period, which I think is the first question, you know, would, it, would I look mm-hmm. at the 70s or 80s, it, or would I look at ones that are coming out now that, you know, haven't even yeah. come out yet? You know, we've got Marry Me next week. Um, the oh, new yeah, JLo like movie
0: yeah. mm-hmm. the,
1: the, and that the, obviously just for necessity couldn't be in the book um yeah. but if we say we're covering the same time period and we assume you know to a degree i was also picking movies where i could talk to a lot of the people who've made them because these are histories mm. in part you know it's even right. with the early the early movies in the book like nora effrin obviously would have been a dream interview but she's no longer with us. scary marshall right. who directed pretty woman just not mm. an option um right but assuming all that um, ones that I thought about really hard and that I have had multiple people complain to me about not being in there. Um, there was a lot of complaints about the teen rom-coms. Um, people really mm-hmm. wanted clueless 10 things I hate about you mm-hmm. um, for reasons I totally get. Um, and if you really want that clueless history, I would point you to Jen Cheney's book as if, which is a book length mm-hmm. history of clueless. And it is so good. Um, oh, amazing, amazing piece of pop culture history. So that's part of why I didn't include that, but I, mm-hmm. I do look at it and wish it was there a little bit. Um, you've got mm. mail is not covered in the depths that some people mm. would like um i mm-hmm. had just because i was doing nora effer i had done when harry met sally right. and sleepless in seattle in so much detail and i just thought it's not a book about nora effer at some point i gotta i gotta look yeah. into the other movies
0: and i mean you when harry met sally is the movie you know what i mean like it's the it's i feel like there's there's definitely when Harry Met Sally came out a moment in rom-com history that like you know mark you have to mark it in there you can't like yeah. when if you if there were I feel like three movies you had to pick in here I would guess that you'd pick when Harry Met Sally for one of them
1: there's a reason yeah. it's the start of the book Um yeah. it's not just because it gave me kind of a clean 30 year timeline to look at it's because it's right. It is so perfectly at the point of the before and after of how Hollywood yeah. is making rom coms where it's mm-hmm. it's still pretty grounded. You know, it's got mm-hmm. kind of that feel of like what Woody Allen was doing. You know, yeah. it, in some ways it's sort of an unacknowledged Danny Hall remake, but but yeah. then it's got this big happy Hollywood ending that that is yeah. as perfect a film ending as you're gonna get when he when he shows up at the New Year's party and there's the speech. I feel
0: like- it could still be made today. Like there's there's a there's still a market for when Harry met Sally being made in 2022. Yeah. It's like it definitely there's definitely some things that have to change, uh, mm-hmm. like, like um is it a perfect pc movie eh. but is it a perfect movie yes <laughs> i yep. would say so <laughs> i mean and you talk about it in an amazing chapter that i have to cover but i feel like when harry Metzelli has two of the most iconic best friend characters mm-hmm. with the carrie fisher and um oh, and bruno kirby F- and bruno kirby because yeah. they um the the best friend characters who are the uh, i'm trying to i need to find my own husband or oh you gotta uh, get in divorce sucks let's go to a baseball game stuff like that like yeah. and then of course they end up to get no genius uh plot twist to put those two together and have them have amazing chemistry with themselves like it's so a, good it's so in like a way that i'm just like why haven't other movies done this like that and
1: that scene where where they're each on the phone with the other one after harry and sally oh, yeah. sleep together and it's oh, just yeah. rob reiner doing great camera stuff <laughs> where they're going back and forth to talk to each Weird. other it's so it's so... that movie is just delight beginning to end it is oh, yeah. as much as it makes me cliche I, it is my favorite rom-com i i adore when harry met sally
0: it's one of those that I, if someone was like, "I've never seen a rom com before," I always am like, "Hey, Mattel, yeah. let's put it on." Let's. Put it's it the one on you showed
1: aliens on. to say like, "This is how humans make romantic comedies," yeah. and then
0: be like, "Oh, oh," and then be like, "I feel like they would start worshiping Billy Crystal, as <laughs> yeah.
1: a God, or something." I mean, and as do we like, all, right?
0: I mean, listen, <laughs> he should be, and good for. I mean, he went on to star in, I mean, a rom com of its own, Monsters Inc. Pixar. <laughs>
1: <laughs> wow, we are stretching I mean, the definition, John.
0: I mean, John Goodman. They are they a um, is it about a family in the making with John John Goodman? Yeah, it's quite an and, odd couple. Yeah, yeah, right. I'm just saying, there's there's something there. I, I'm telling you, my book's going to come out soon. Um, to love with Hollywood, would that be? Can't wait. I mean, I mean the feud started.
1: <laughs> I, I would love to read it. Like someone covering this exact period, covering totally different movies. I would. Oh nothing God. would make me happier than reading that book.
0: I've don't tempt me it's (laughs) don't tempt me um we end this and I'm just I like open up a word document saying um begin on (laughs) (laughs) open with um no uh I what other movies would you have in there though that you the teen the teen movies the teen romantic movies which like god I love those me too
1: yeah, um, let's see, other ones that were serious contenders in the book, um, we talked about Boomerang a lot. Boomerang mm-hmm. was, in, was in there or, originally, the um, movie mm-hmm. I would have, would have liked to have covered in more detail. And part of that was, I was also just, I would have been mired in the early 90s for a long time if I had covered all of the early 90s movies I wanted to. Yeah. Um, yeah. There are a lot of, so not, not to get too into the weeds of like what the book, like how the book works, but half of the, mm-hmm. half the chapters are about movies specifically and the other half are about actors um mm-hmm. and what i liked about those actor chapters is it let me cover a lot of ground um in mm-hmm. in a relatively small amount of space but it didn't mean that like i would have loved to do a chapter on while you were sleeping that's yeah. that's a great important rom-com that launched sandra bullock a movie i really enjoy mm-hmm. um or true barrymore you know i don't do never been kissed um that is a movie that is a movie that certainly deserves i mean <laughs> flaws and all and boy is there a central problem in that mm-hmm. plot <laughs> yeah. but um but that is a movie oh. that really deserves probably more attention than I was just able to give it because, you know, ultimately the book is 430 pages and that's, that's kind of where I had to let it rest. Fair.
0: I mean, history will always be kind to know <laughs> <because laughs> whether it should be or not, it will always be. Mm-hmm. Um, I know. I mean, there's, and I bet, I bet we can go on for hours with the movies that, mm-hmm. um, we could talk about there well what did and you
1: what did you wish was in there yeah what, what did he, you pick up the book and go i can't believe he didn't do this one.
0: <laughs> oh no um this will all be covered in the i'm joking um <laughs> no the the one i i would love of queen latifah chapter because mm-hmm. she i mean to me is a rom-com darling um even though i know you wouldn't count this there's a movie I just recently watched with her, Bringing Down the House. I don't know if you remember uh-huh. that one with her. I remember it with Steve Martin, oh, yeah. yeah. And I do think there's a rom-com subplot there with her and Eugene Levy, which I've never seen... I When I think chemistry in a movie, Eugene Levy and Queen Latifah, it just... ooh per, Like, I... If you haven't seen it, I would say revisit. I
1: I have to, yeah. I, I saw it when it came out, and I have not seen it since. That was Queen Latifah. I did look. I mean, she she comes up kind of obliquely in the book, not yeah. a lot of detail. But but um, but that is a movie that I did not look at for serious consideration. So I apologize.
0: And you will look at it. You will disagree with me. I will I revisit will it honestly. I'll let tree. you know what I
1: think. Yeah.
0: <laughs> please, please do. But that one, uh, Angela Bassett. I feel like yep. there's there's a mega chapter on her there of like, we her. do have
1: waiting to exhale in the book. Yeah. So I think that that at least covers a very an important movie and got a movie I love. And I mean, boy, is she amazing in it.
0: I mean, like the star power in that movie alone. I it's mean, it's
1: crazy. To,
0: the the Whitney of it all, too. Yeah. Just like I mean, Whitney also who a uh, one maybe not the romantic comedy, but she dominated like the romantic scene in a lot of ways mm-hmm.
1: too. I mean, I mean, yeah. The, the Bodyguard doesn't fit into uh, my book, but you have to talk about it in you terms have to talk of
0: about the Bodyguard. Yeah. Oof 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 oof. But yeah, no, there is, um, those uh, those two, Angela Bassett, maybe mm-hmm. a little bit of. No, Angela, it's Angela Bassett. I mean, you could and there's so many, there's so many um like, you know, stars that came from the romantic comedy um but Angela Bassett sticks with me because a powerhouse of an actor yeah. and I she just she takes over a lot of I mean even in waiting to exhale it's supposed to be Whitney Houston's movie right in a lot of ways mm. but then Angela Bassett's character comes in you're like never mind well yeah. <laughs> her her I mean I can you still see the that um, burning the car her burning the car down yeah. today that's that's impact that, that was is,
1: there's there's art in the book. You know, I, I had an artist art. do an original illustration for all the movies covered. And when yeah. we were discuss, discussing which scene to do from waiting to exhale, it's like, is this even a conversation? It's, it's a, clearly it. burning the car. We're
0: the car down. It's just gorgeous. Uh, yeah. To see her do that. and just like walk away from that. And you're just like, wow. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, I like, if you remember anything from that movie, it's that. Yeah. In a movie starring for amazing black, um, women just yeah you know acting so well but mm-hmm. damn that one scene
1: <laughs> i know it's, um, it's I know. wild i'm so I mad sad they them. won't get to make the sequel now uh, with without I mean, whitney because it, it really sounded like it was coming together uh,
0: it in it you know who knows maybe they'll find a way to you know keep whitney spirit in and if they decide to do it but yeah
1: i know <laughs> they talked about recasting with oprah winfrey but i don't know it's just not it's it wouldn't insane.
0: be the movie, yeah, it wouldn't be the movie, no, Winnie, and Winnie's narration throughout the entire thing, too, yeah. it's like it's like she's singing to me without singing, and she's just talking <laughs> singing with me. That's how good Winnie is, where she's just talking. you're like, so well, sing it, sing, keep singing, <laughs> <laughs> um no, and um, and that movie, unlike the Bodyguard, that's a movie where you know, it's just she's not she's not a singer. It's not like her music isn't a part of it. It's her
1: it's her it's the actor Whitney yeah she's it's playing the, a character who is actually not that similar to Whitney Houston
0: exactly and I'm just like and you've seen her just like wow damn she had it all mm-hmm. um now I'm gonna dedicate this episode to Whitney Houston um, <laughs> the greatest no um no there's but yeah those two Queen Latifah and who like I mean there's for her to the sitcom start of it where like you know she had that sitcom rom-com kind of thing too do mm-hmm. you do you do you um, include the the sick, commie love rom com vibes too? Um, when you think about rom coms,
1: yeah, it comes up in the book for sure. I again just for like necessities and sanity's sake, I couldn't mm-hmm. love on TV is a totally different conversation. But I do think you're no. you're not doing full justice if you don't say like, especially at the time when there was all this death of the rom com talk, probably about yeah. you know, seven or eight years ago, and that right. was at the same time when like. Jim and Pam in the office was like everybody, you know, that it was like the biggest yeah. love story on TV. And that was, that was really filling that same thing, you know, or or right. so did Ross and Rachel or, mm. or you can't, I think you can't have a complete conversation about how, Kind of the tropes of the rom com and how well they've been kind of understood and deconstructed by by talented people. If you don't talk about Crazy Ex-Girlfriend, the Rachel Bloom yeah. show,
0: oh um, my god, which perfect
1: show, unbelievably good and perfect. and so I... smart about rom coms and how rom coms affect people and how people who love rom coms might internalize the wrong messages from them.
0: I will tell this story to the listener. I might get in trouble for this, but I'll tell it. Um, <laughs> one day, um, we put on. It was late. And we put on You Stupid Bitch. (laughs) Maybe one of the best songs that came from the entire... If you haven't seen, go on YouTube, watch it, and then you'll watch the entire show. But we put it on at Skylight. And when I tell you the entire story, everyone who was in the store stopped and started singing with it. And the applause that we heard afterwards, (laughs) I was just like, I wish I... It happened in a way that no one was expecting it. So we never took... No one had their camera out. No one had... So I have no proof... To show people that this happened, except for my memory, and God, was it a good memory? <laughs> that um, might be but... the
1: best way. I wish I had been there.
0: <laughs> it was a wonderful moment, Um, but no, yeah, the crazy ex-girlfriend. The um I'm trying to think, there was recently I, the show Love Life season, two, the mm-hmm. new season of it. Uh, a fantastic. I've heard. Uh, I haven't seen
1: season two yet. I was I was kind of lukewarm on season one.
0: No, no, go to season two. It's okay. Ten out of ten, but um. It's like those things, like there's, there's the television aspect of it too, which I feel like, do you think there's a future there too, where they might, I mean, there was the past with like the 22 episode series that had the romance, the romance in there, mm-hmm. but like, even like Crazy Ex-Girlfriend, the show Love Life, uh, what's a, re? I, my brain, now that I'm trying to think of it, my brain's blanking, but I feel like there's others, um, that we could probably pinpoint out there that have, you know, kind of deconstructed it and see what makes something a rom com. What is, what, how, what's a new, fresh version of this that we can see on TV?
1: I think what that's you... what a lot of people are trying to do. I think, um, mm-hmm. I think Love is really interesting, Judd Apatow show, um, on oh, Netflix. Yes, yes. I don't think that was wholly oh. successful. Sorry, mm. sorry, Judd. Um, <laughs> but I, but I think it like it was really trying to do something, or, or, or for that matter, um, a Better example, uh, why can't I can't think of the name the uh, the Aya Cash show. Um, oh, you're the worst on FX. Thank you, you're the worst. Um, oh, I, I think that, that is a great example of yes. something that is doing a love story that is really running in the opposite direction from rom com tropes, but still mm. ultimately a pretty romantic story, kind of a beautiful yeah. story about extremely damaged people. And I think, yeah. I think especially when you look at TV shows like that, rom com for a genre that's really gotten dinged a lot unfairly like it is a very elastic genre if yeah. you know talented writers talented directors talented performers really can ring a lot of intelligence and insight mm-hmm. and humor like like it, it yeah. really can do it all
0: it can and i mean even i was thinking about the uh, the the one that came to my mind was the short-lived amazing show um high fidelity the mm-hmm. remake that should so have been so good. That was a it was a uh, an evolution of the original the original yeah. movie and book in a way that was necessary. And damn, did it end? away I, <laughs> go too I was
1: both crushed and shocked when when it was yeah. a one and done. I, I really thought Hulu was investing in that one. I was I was so bummed. And
0: they should have Hulu, if yeah. you're listening, into our fans. Get <laughs> <Yeah>. online now. <laughs> #Hashtag, <Get up. laughs> hashtag revive. It's not be. too late it's not too late it was i mean it's a it was a it was a show of just a genius show that really understood the source materials enough to be like this is where we need to go with it and like i mean it said here's two things that people love music and love put them together this is what a perfect recipe yeah. um but talking about that too i wanted to talk about your what you think about like rom-coms in terms of seasons because there's a lot of you know a lot of the most famous rom-coms have to deal with like uh uh christmas weddings Mm -hmm. um valentine's day uh there's weird ones about july 4th or halloween (laughs) um new year's eve has a lot of rom-coms in Mm -hmm. there what what do you um what
1: why do you think those exist sometimes around seasons? I think it's a good question, I think. And and you haven't named the most recent one that fascinated me, which was Holiday, the Netflix Ovi? movie, which was like, <laughs> what if we do a rom-com that's set on every holiday for an entire year? It was like, they just totally did it all. Um, I thought yeah, that honestly, was a really fascinating structural choice.
0: Yeah. I mean, the recent one I think of is the Chris and Stuart, um
1: Oh, Happiest Season?
0: Happiest Season, which yeah. I would say knocked it out of the park there were yep. great out in the park concern in, in terms of like the people were talking about it
1: invested mm-hmm. there was a it was their biggest movie that year that in yeah, palm really? springs it was hulu had a big year for rom-coms yeah
0: i mean and good for and they they understood the they understood mm-hmm. the
1: assignment there absolutely
0: but yeah but yeah the sorry to interrupt. To ta-
1: no not at all the the seasonality of it i think it's a degree of a if i mean if i were if I were a, like a savvy producer, being like, well, "How do I make sure my movie has a has a lasting impact?" I would look at what Love Actually did, because certainly that's mm-hmm. what started the trend, and say, almost accidentally, that became a holiday staple. I don't, yeah. I don't think that was necessarily what that movie had in mind, but mm-hmm. it was so clear that anthology rom com set at a holiday, full of stars, mm-hmm. became a thing that not only was a hit in its time, but became something that people would revisit every year for the rest of their lives. Um, which is part of why it's a movie that gets covered in the book in detail. Um, Mm. But it's, I mean, Gary Marshall, he made a whole, his late career was just those movies. You know, it was Valentine's day, mother's day, new year's Eve. Um, Mm. And I think it's at a time when the market is so crowded with stuff people can watch. Why not give them some hook where you say, why don't you watch the new year's Eve movie at new year's Eve? Um, But, but I think, it also just seems to be what audiences want because there's a reason that Hallmark is programming five months of Christmas rom-coms a year now. Like it's it's not just December, it's July. And also somehow it's bled into October and November. Like it's, there's, I think anything that can kind of, anchor your stuff a little more. It's you know, it's mm. not just a rom com, it's a rom com, but maybe like Santa's in the background. It's yeah, <laughs> it's it yeah. gives you a little more gives you a little more oomph. I mean there's re- it's not different than action movies. It's why mm. you know it's why people love Die Hard and Lethal Weapon yeah. and all that is Christmas movies or Kiss Kiss Bang Bang. It's just right. it's another thing in the toolbox.
0: I mean Marvel just did that with uh the Hawkeye show yep. where they
1: And I guarantee kiss, bang, this time next year people are going to binge it again. It'll be like their Christmas Marvel binge.
0: And you oh you're right you know what we figured it out we marvel we figured you out we're coming for it we're coming for you um with my new dc halloween show i guess (laughs) this year um dc listen you know you know how to reach me Uh, (laughs) um no um well i want to move on to the topic that i wanted to talk about when i finished the chapter i said this this is the one that I am going to make sure is in the conversation. And it is about my girl. Oh, the Judy Greer. Wow. Yep. The Judy Greer. <sighs> the, when I think rom-coms, I think Judy Greer. I think I am.
1: I You could have said anything and I would have been less delighted than I am right now. This is maybe my favorite topic in the book. She is.
0: She, I, every, I, f- from the first time, well, I forgot the first, maybe it was, it was either 13 going on 30 or mm-hmm. the wedding planner, mm-hmm. where I was just like, "Who is this?" Yep, and she is stealing every scene. Yep, she is the person. I I never. I think I was the person. I always was like, I don't want to be the main character. I want to be the Judy Greer because <laughs> she is. She is the one who. She's the smart one. She's the one who's like giving the advice and being like, "This is what you should do." Or you need to focus on your career. Or 13 13, going on 30, secretly kind of the villain too. Mm-hmm. Like, genius woman. Uh, why, and I ask why, fully knowing that there truly is no other answer than she's amazing. But why cover, do a whole chapter on
1: her? Oh, I mean, for starters, it's and amazing is book. where it starts. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. She, I love part of what was fun about writing a book about rom-coms was kind of Mm. breaking into those archetypes a little bit. And if you were going to, you know, much, much like the reading I read at the top was about the dude who Mm. gets dumped. You, Mm. you cannot have a serious conversation about what was happening in rom-coms, especially in the nineties and two thousands. If you don't talk about the best friend archetype, um, because it is a, it is so important and it is so thankless. (laughs) It is, (laughs) you know, I, I talked to Judy Greer for the book for a while Mm. um, and she had so many, Oh, a, nice. I, I, I mean, I, I, hate, I hate to tell tales out of school, but everything, everything you would hope, she is the nicest, coolest person. <laughs> like it was, what a, what a delight. If you, if you see you Judy Greer in a movie, and you were like, I wish we were friends. I, I wish we were <laughs> friends too. She really is the coolest. Um, I want to
0: be her friend. I want to be like the <laughs> Judy Greer's best friend. I feel like that's, that's the, imagine getting that role. I would yeah. <laughs> have thought I was the next um, Iron Man. I would have been like, yes, I did it.
1: <laughs> I made I it. Did- part of what was so great about talking to her about those roles is there's so much stuff that you wouldn't know goes into it. I mean, the reason mm-hmm. that she played so many of those roles in a role is be, it's really hard. It's because mm-hmm. those are characters who are total ciphers on the paper more often yeah. than not. They mm-hmm. they are stuck with delivering exposition. She has, a, she has an amazing anecdote about how she had to carry a can of soda a certain way in yes. this movie she did with Jennifer Aniston, because mm-hmm. there was product placement deals that they'd made. And Jennifer Aniston wouldn't do it because she had a different deal with smartwater. <laughs> and so it's like, and so Judy Greer had to deliver her often very boring exposition, but do it in an entertaining way while also making sure the label of a soda can was facing the camera. And like, what a specific and strange job. And yeah. if you watch that movie, you would not notice a thing. It is, it is totally seamless. She puts, she takes all these boring lines and she finds ways to put all the spin and pepper on them and make them funny and memorable. It's it is it's such an interesting and strange part of how rom-coms are constructed and so her her and Catherine Hahn were the two where i was like yeah we got to we got to talk about what those actresses have oh, done in this genre it's it's really worth unpacking
0: the catherine and like two women who like again household names like mm-hmm. you bring up judy greer people are like yes the and they immediately they're like this is my favorite judy greer <laughs> yeah <laughs> i feel like even the movies that she's in you don't think about like you think about judy greer first and then like the other characters the yeah. She's, she's, she like, I feel like she, even in the book, when you were, uh, her quotes from her, she was just like, I'm glad I got to be the best friend and not the star. I'm like, no, but you are the star. (laughs) You somehow became from all these roles just the star when i people people see judy Greer and they're like oh, it's like seeing stan lee in a marvel movie you're just yeah, like
1: sure. <laughs> it does feel like the internet gets it like like even yeah. if the studios were kind of underappreciating those performances the internet has really rallied around what was cool about those actresses and i that mm-hmm. is just delightful because boy is it deserving oh
0: yeah Catherine Hahn is in my house me and my roommate Just a regular talked about subject. (laughs) You're like, oh my god, what do you think Catherine is doing right now? (laughs) Just that, just that, just I mean, and just the, but the like, yeah, the talent of those two to be like, you know, there's a reason they both kept starring in these starring in these movies, right?
1: Absolutely, and Um, doing it well,
0: (laughs) doing it well. But like when you. I mean, they, she's, she's grown so much in her career, Judy Greer specifically. How do you think she'll ever return to rom-coms?
1: I would love that. When we talked, she sounded kind of done with it. Um, Mm -hmm. At least with doing the best friend type stuff. She, as much as she appreciated all the, you know, all the credit and attention. She was also like, I've done a lot of stuff since I was kind of in this like best friend. I mean, it really has been like, 10 or 15 years since she's done one of those roles um probably the last one was playing for keeps um and even then she wasn't the best friend it was just a large ensemble um Mm. and that was god 2011 maybe um so she's so so it's been a while since she's done it but i there's a katherine hahn actually has a great line about how she wants to make a rom-com with her and judy greer where like kate hudson occasionally runs around in the background and it's just about like what the best (laughs) friends do and like that is a great pitch. Someone should absolutely greenlight that movie. I, I would I, love to see it.
0: And I feel like she went too small. Like Kate, get Kate Hudson and Catherine Heigl, uh, Jennifer Garner, <laughs> all of them in the background, just like, like, oh my god, fighting over who gets to like get the best, who gets to have Judy Greer, and Catherine.
1: <laughs> That's what they
0: deserve. That's they're like wooing. Oh my god, them being wooed by these main stars. And they're like the main <laughs> care. I. Oh, Judy, if you're listening, yeah, you, know, you know my number. <laughs> like, <laughs> you know how to reach me. Um, it's he, he just contact me, please. I would love to do this. No, um, and I mean, like, she even—I feel like she loves to make, poke fun at it too. Sometimes she pokes fun. She's very aware of like mm-hmm. it too, in a way that I have. You read her book. No, I haven't read her book as okay. I'm guessing you have.
1: Yeah, it's great. It's called um I don't know what you know me from and it is mm-hmm. just very self-aware that. essays about like being approached constantly by people who kind of remember her from like <laughs> arrested development or they hear her voice and right. think of Archer or of course yeah. one of these rom-coms and she is right. she is very as you have to has a real sense of humor about like an interesting place in the Hollywood firmament. But yeah. but like you said, I, I really do think she has finally gotten her due relatively mm-hmm. recently.
0: And Yes, but also just, and I, I mean, I grew up, I was a kid during the Greer renaissance of the best friends. But like, even when I, as a kid, I remember the in school, we'd be like, oh my God, Judy Greer. I, she's, she was a guest star in this TV show. And then just <laughs> like hour long conversation about which movie we loved her most in and like stuff like that if she was like we would see because our parents would be watching those movies and we'd be like in the background you know watching a little bit and so she was i feel like for like millennials from both the from like what are they calling elder millennials <laughs> the elder millennials oh, to the to the young the young millennials um she was there she was always mm-hmm. there for us and i mean every i feel like there's definitely for newer rom-coms that like are being made netflix definitely has like a picture of judy uh judy Greer just like on the wall during casting like is she <laughs> close is she close enough are they close enough who knows <laughs> like we have to get the perfect person to do it totally like, all these actors are like studying her films, being like, "Wait, did she?" <laughs> Is that a choice? Yep. I would. I mean, I would go to the Judy School, uh, Judy Gar School of Best Friend. Uh, oh yeah, acting. learn from the
1: best. If, if, if you're going to aim, aim for the top.
0: Oh yeah, she's she her master class, master class. I don't understand why you haven't
1: started this yet. <laughs> That's probably coming um, up.
0: It's probably coming. Um, <laughs> well, I it, well actually, I want on that. If you were to be a best friend for any of the any of your rom com star heroes, who would you be it for?
1: wow uh actor or character
0: both so i'll I'll let you do one actor one character (laughs)
1: yep uh i think it would be very fun to hang out with matthew mcconaughey collectively his Mm rom-com persona of kind of Mm -hmm. like fast talking charmer (laughs) usually wearing a cool suit usually with a whiskey good Mm -hmm. enough great sign me up i'll i'll sit on the porch with him and hang out with terry bradshaw you know
0: Yeah, uh, I, and I immediately was like, "Failure to launch."
1: <laughs> yep. See, there you <laughs> yes, go. That's, I think
0: I, un, one of the most unbelievable rom-coms, I will say, because how does Matthew McConaughey not like? How does he, how is he like the lovable loser? You know what I mean? I was just like Matthew McConaughey playing himself as a lovable loser. I don't see it. yeah They <laughs> they, they too far. They went too far that time. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, and... but go on. Which character?
1: If you told me I got to do one, it would be um Erica Berry in something's gotta give. I wanna go mm-hmm. hang out at that big beach house in the Hamptons yes. and have all the good food and sit by that <laughs> pool and Jack Nicholson will make fun of me. It sounds great. Yeah. sign me up.
0: It that um that movie specifically is always you know, whenever I think of like my perfect place, it's as Diane Keaton just on the pool, cr- or in by the beach. I mean, crying into her computer <laughs> while wearing a white turtleneck in a white. Suit. Yeah, like, that's that's a perfect, my perfect place, my happy place. Agreed. I, a- I
1: talked to the set decorator of that for the book. And oh my God. she had amazing stories about how they put that together.
0: I mean, a, a genius a mm-hmm. person who. A person who deserves the Oscar today for literally changed
1: the whole kitchen renovation industry. I mean, it it literally they quite literally they credit the whole kitchen renovation industry with people seeing that movie and wanting that. It's amazing.
0: And I mean, that's rom com. The power of rom coms. Mm -hmm. Um, A powerful genre. Um, I. We sadly have to wrap up, even though I'm having too much fun and can go on for three hours. And should we? No, oh, yeah. No. I think everyone wants it. <laughs> everyone wants it. I mean, who doesn't love a six hour podcast? Um, <laughs> so the last thing I wanted to ask you was um, if there was one thing you took away from I mean, I'm guessing this is not your, this book wasn't you being like, oh, wait, what's a rom-com? Yeah. The book. But like from your history of like loving rom-coms to writing this book, what is one thing that you took, you take away that you wish, you know, every single person who loves movies would take away
1: from it? That's a good question. I think um, you're right. I went into this loving rom-coms. You know, I I, I was mm. thinking about books that I might want to write, um, having done film and and you know, film and TV journalism for a long time, and one of them was mm-hmm. if I'm going to spend a lot of time thinking about a genre, watching movies in a genre, interviewing mm-hmm. people, there's that rom com seemed like a really nice way to spend my time. Yeah. Um, and and to a degree, kind of on you know ground that had not felt like it had not been fully excavated. I really felt like mm-hmm. a lot of these movies had not gotten their due, and I was excited to be able to champion them. And so, mm-hmm. in the process of reporting out the book, probably. The thing that I came away with even more than I thought I would was an appreciation for just how hard it is to make a good mm. rom-com and how incredible it is that there are so many, for, for movies that have been so frequently under underappreciated. Yeah. Um, except by the audiences who love them, you know, but often very snobbishly dismissed by critics. Not really yeah. given a lot of awards love, that sort of thing. Um, mm. To find a script that kind of crackles, to find stars with that kind of chemistry, to to direct it in a way that keeps it moving, that keeps audiences kind of mm. hoping for these characters and keeping them invested. Like I, I think it might be as hard to make a good rom-com as it is to make any other kind of movie in Hollywood, like a really yeah. good rom-com. And I, I hope that if people read the book or even just listen to this podcast, although I hope you read the book, but I hope you walk away thinking there is, there is really an incredible amount of talent and work in these movies that are, that are so frequently underrated. And I, I hope they get their due.
0: And they, I mean, they they make you feel good. <laughs> they make yep. you feel good. And there's there's a reason that we like that. We like I like to I like to watch them and be like, wow, there's hope. And yep. then put on my white <laughs> turtleneck and go sit by the stare at the window, drinking <laughs> a nice cup of tea, looking out, and you know. Yep. So, that's it. The, that's the vibe.
1: I'm more of a Bridget Jones in the pajamas with mm. a giant glass of wine, but I do know oh, what that
0: is. <laughs> that's me watching the movie. After I put on the <laughs> I put on the white turtleneck sweater and just the the um the sweater and just look out my window that sounds like a great it. night <laughs> I need to get a Diane Keaton wig honestly and just put that <laughs> on too and fully commit to the bit um no I I actually I lied and I have one more question I want to ask you too sure. if you don't mind absolutely because I feel like the easy question to ask you is what's your favorite rom-com but I don't want to know I mm-hmm. want to know what's the next rom-com you're going to watch wow it could be an old one it could be something coming up yeah what's the next what's the next one on your list
1: you're catching me right before Marry Me comes out. That is almost <laughs> certainly the next... Rom- you're, you're telling me that J-Lo is playing the world's biggest pop star opposite Owen Wilson in a rom-com. That is that is like a reserve my seat a week in advance type rom-com. I, I am there.
0: I I saw the funniest tweet for that the other day, which was... um, It's like, you want me to believe that J-Lo would dump Maluma for Owen Wilson? I can't see it. <laughs> was
1: well, I'm like, pretty sure Maluma dumped her.
0: <laughs> Maluma, I mean... Who knows? Who, who we'll, have we'll, to see we'll the movie find out to, when we see the movie. We'll find out yeah. when we see the movie and we'll come right back here to talk about yeah, it. Yeah, can't wait. See you next week. Can't wait. No. <laughs> no, I mean that movie. i I immediately someone texted me and was like, You gotta watch a trailer for this movie. Oh. And I as a person who was in theaters to watch, what's the movie which she had the she was she got she um was going to be a single mom so she was gonna she got babies she got a sperm donor to have these babies it's and then either baby,
1: second act or the backup plan and i can't the remember backup plan. which is it okay thank plan. you <laughs> it's the back
0: and i in theaters to watch that because i was like yes i'm a j-lo yep. my parents were my parents made us watch um the wedding planner uh mm-hmm. Mate. uh is it made in manhattan yep um the oh what's there's one I can't remember off the top. Which little Jersey
1: girl, Jersey. Shelby Dance. I mean, there we go. Shelby yeah. Dance. Oh my <laughs> shall we Dance. Law.
0: I actually wrote a paper on Shelby Dance because I was writing paper on like the masculinity uh, uh, dance culture. And then I that's when I discovered Shelby Dance. And I was just yep. like, oh my why does no one talk about this movie? <laughs> it's good. Yeah. It's she's using two of her talents, dance and mm-hmm. acting. Like she um, no, I mean that. I mean, she, she, I grew up with JLo as an actor, actor, singer, and dancer. And so, I mean, will I be in theaters for Mary Nia? Yeah. Of course. Can't wait. Of course. Will it, will it live up to my expectations? Sure. <laughs> <Let's>, <laughs> sure. It would be hard for it to disappoint me. Even a it bad version really... of
1: that movie is a good movie for me.
0: <laughs> I, I mean, Owen oh, Wilson too, back to his yeah. rom-com roots. I just, another rom-com star that I wish would be, would go back to his, I think, we're going to see a lot of stars to return to their rom-com roots. That's a prediction I'm going to make from now.
1: I hope you're right. I certainly think the genre's on an upswing.
0: It's, I mean, and it, and it has that. It goes up and down and up and down. And so mm-hmm. I will see you in 10 years when you write about the next rise and fall and rise and then fall and then rise again. <laughs> I <laughs> and... cannot wait. And I will be here ready to go. Um, Scott, this has been so much fun. Again, I could do this for hours, but, you know, we can't, we can't. All good things must come to an end. But Um, seriously, Lance was a blast. Thank you so much. It was so much fun. In your book, From Hollywood with Love, the rise and fall, I'm gonna say it all because I love it. The rise and fall, and rise again of the romantic comedy, soon to be followed by the rise and fall, and rise and fall, and rise again, and then fall again, and then rise again, coming out in 2032. We'll see. Uh, <laughs> no, please go buy this book. It's currently on display and, and for sale at Skylight Books. Check it out. The cover is also great. The cover is also very cool. I saw it when I first got my copy of it. I was like, oh, "This is so beautiful." <laughs> Me Just too. Showing it off to all my coworkers, like, look at, this co- <laughs> look at this book that I got. It's so cute. And then, I mean, the illustrations in it too. I mean, the it feels yeah. like a. A uh, love letter to these um, movies as well. I should as... quickly
1: shout out my artist, Alexand- uh, Alex Kittle, who did the art for the book. She's incredible, um, and I think she there will be it. prints of all the art she did available to buy, if signed Ooh. prints on her on her store. So keep an eye out for that. She's uh, she's pan and scan at Etsy.
0: Ooh, I will def. I will be checking that out. I'm going to, I want to get that waiting to exhale one for sure, mm-hmm. because how could I not? So good. It's so good. Angela. Oh my God. Um, uh, But no, thank you again for coming on and thank you to all my listeners for listening out there. If this is your first time listening, thank you for joining. Um, Please go back and listen to our other episodes. If you're returning, thank you for coming back. I appreciate you and I love all of you and please come back next time and check out our, check out our podcast in the future. We have some really good guests coming up. But you guys all have a beautiful and great and perfect rest of your day. Do something good for yourself.
1: Thank you for listening to the Skylight Books podcast series. Please don't forget to visit our website at skylightbooks.com and make sure to follow us on Twitter and Instagram. Also, don't forget to subscribe to this podcast for more author talks and bookseller conversations. You can find us on Podbean, iTunes, and Spotify. Stay safe and healthy, and we hope to see you back in our store
0: soon.